Hello, hello. We are live with another edition of Ask the Herbalist or Office Hours or whatever you want to call it. Thank you for joining me. Uh, we have a lot of great questions today, as always, and as always, more than we'll be able to answer. And when I say we, I mean me, but we'll get through as much as possible. It will be action-packed and lively and all of the usual things that I hope you have come to expect by now. So again, as always, uh, feel free to drop additional questions in the YouTube chat. Uh, if you are having trouble doing that, you may need to subscribe to the channel. Um, that's free. It's just, just following the channel. Sometimes it will block um, people from dropping in questions if you're not subscribed. And all of you are subscribed. Uh, to Substack, which I really appreciate. I know it's a new platform and a new thing, and that's, you know, that's not maybe where you're used to finding me, which is on Instagram, but I really appreciate you being here and um, hope that you enjoy it. There's a lot of, a lot of goodness to come. So with that, let us dive in. So actually, before we dive in, just one more note. Um, the next office hours will be July 14th, beginning as always at 1 p.m. Eastern. Um, they will be every Thursday, July 14th, the next Thursday, the next Thursday. I don't know what the dates are. Um, that will all be posted in Substack. It's not live at the moment, but mark your calendars if you're attending these um, live and want to make sure that you don't miss that one. Okay, so I'm going to start with one topic from the last office hours that I didn't get to cover, and that is retreats and plant medicine retreats that I like and that I recommend. So I've written down one, two, three, four, five, six. So just so you know where we're going, I'm gonna talk through six. So the first retreat, that I love and recommend is one that I've been on three times. And it was my first experience of going on retreat. So I was young in my wellness career. I didn't work in wellness yet. I was only doing it on my own, you know, on the side nights and weekends and travel. And I had traveled a, a fair amount to Latin America and I kind of knew that I liked things about that part of the world. I didn't know that I would fall completely in love with it and spend all my time there, <laughs> all my travel time there in the future. But I knew that I sort of wanted to head that way. And there were, you know, there were not like retreats like there are now and you can find a retreat in three seconds, right? Like there are so many retreats, it's hard to know what is a good retreat? What's really a retreat? Is this a retreat? Is this a vacation? What's the difference? Like retreats are, you know, trendy now and they weren't back then. And, you know, I, and that's to say I had never been on one. I didn't know what it really entailed, but I was up for something active, something healthy, something in that part of the world 
And that was kind of my criteria. And thank fate and the internet, but primarily fate, you know, I found Wendy Green. I don't know how I found her. I literally was just Googling around and looking for that criteria. I want it to be healthy, which means the food needs to be good. I want it to be active and I want it to be, you know, in this kind of part of the world. Wendy has been a yoga teacher for most of her life. And I don't recall exactly how old Wendy is now, but she's in her 60s, I believe. Um, When I met her, I think she was in her late 50s and running circles around me, literally like kicking my ass, hiking up the trails, way proficient in yoga, just like, you know, and now I think I have a a new appreciation for what our bodies can do in our 40s and our 50s and our 60s and our 70s. But at the time I was like, holy cow, she's blowing my mind. And so Wendy's a phenomenal yoga practitioner and yoga asana, yes, the poses, but yoga, the whole lifestyle. And not only that, she, her lifestyle is incredible. So when I met Wendy, she was running two retreats by herself with a team, but she was the lead person and she keeps them very small on purpose. And They were raw food, 100% raw, beautiful, you know, tropical food. We were in um, Honduras the first time. So it was my very first retreat. And then I visited her twice in Ecuador and now she's exclusively in Ecuador. Raw food, you know, every meal, 100% beautiful. I had never eaten fully raw, it was amazing. Um, Ashtanga yoga, lots of quiet time. No, and, and like no snacking learning how to intermittent fast, no phones, you know, um, going to bed with the sunset. Like it was incredible. I think I was with her for a week. Um, maybe I did a little longer the first time, maybe. Um, and it changed my life. I started intermittent fasting on that retreat and I've done it ever since. It's been, I don't know now, eight years. Um, I went fully raw after that retreat and I maintained it for many years. It's still my favorite way to eat. I'm just, I don't know. The the reality is that if I could choose or when I go to a place like Ecuador or Honduras or Costa Rica, that is how I eat. Um, I did it here in New York though for a long time. I think it's really beautiful. It's just hard, right? Yoga, I loved yoga before I went, but I was very committed after that. And Wendy and I have been friends ever since. And I've sent a lot of people her way. Um, she's amazing. And she runs her retreats with only a couple of people at one time. Sometimes you're the only one there. And that means that your food is perfectly curated. Your yoga is perfectly curated. And you can stay with her as long as you want. And um, people's lives change. So it's, it's really, really good. And she's, she's one of the most incredible humans I've ever met. It's a really special relationship. I value it so much. And um, I really, I really admire what she does. Um, she's exemplary in terms of her lifestyle and her health, and her approach to um, philosophies about, you know, solitude and flexibility, and you know, living in the jungle by herself. Um, 
and being happy and creative and open-minded and, you know, open to new things and, and change. And, and it's just, anyway, so I love her. And I think if you're looking for somebody who will sort of take you under their wing and help you reset and open your mind and learn some new things, I recommend her retreat very highly. So that's Wendy Green Yoga. And I'll include it in the recap of this um, episode. The next retreat that I like is very different than that. It is a place in Costa Rica that I have been a couple times now, and it's very simple. And it's an easy spot to just kind of drop into, um, have the things that you need, detach from technology, and be in a very tiny town near a place to surf if you want or near the beach, and just have like a good vibe. So it's it's less a retreat. You can treat it as a retreat if you know how to do that, and more of a very sort of minimalist, natural, plant-based vacation. And that is called Peace Retreat in Costa Rica. And Kevin runs that. They have yoga, um, surfing. Again, it's very small. There's no air, air conditioning. Sounds intense, I know. But I was just there in March, which is an intense time to go. It's, it's hot and dry. Um, and I was fine. It's hot, but I was fine. It's amazing what sleeping in a hut will do for you, even if it's hot. I slept better there than I have in a year. So Peace Retreat in Costa Rica, really beautiful. Oh, gosh, yes. And they have a spa that they've just put in, you know, a spa, outdoor spa. It's really beautiful, but it's very simple. And I, I had four massages the last time I was there. So um, they have a body in Peace Retreat that you can go and do if you want to do a bunch of sort of body work and relax that way. Also in Costa Rica is a location called Thea. It's T-H-E-A. So it looks like Thea, um, called pronounced Thea, Thea Retreats. Um, probably the most beautiful retreat spot I've stayed in the world. Broke my heart. I, I went in June last year and immediately went back in September, and, and I, I fell in love with Costa Rica um, as a result of that place and that area. Um, it's expensive relative to most of the other recommendations I'll set here. I tend to travel low budget. I kind of like, or I very much like, you know, huts and simplicity. Um, Wendy Green has a really beautiful combination of, I mean, one of the most incredible properties in the world for sure. She finds property that's like surrounded by uh, protected cloud forest, you know, so she lives in a, in a dream. It's, it's the, the nature there is, is unbelievable. Um, and hers is, is like jungle, jungle luxury without like the white tablecloths and that sort of thing. Um, Taya is similar. It's just a little bit more luxurious, like traditionally so. Um, and Costa Rica is expensive, period. But um, really, really, really beautiful property overlooking the ocean above Santa Teresa um, in a part of Costa Rica where the sun sets and the sky turns pink and, you know, it's amazing. And when I was on that retreat, um, that was a plant medicine retreat for me. So that was um, quite a few psilocybin ceremonies. And when I returned... I brought a group 
with me and it was also a ceremonial retreat for them with some other plant medicines as well. So that is um, something that can happen in Costa Rica. It's not done through Taya, so don't ask. But you can talk to me if it's something that you want to know more about. Uh, there's also a spa in Mexico, Mexico called Casa Tara. Um, it is a more of a vacation than a retreat. Um, Puerto Escondido is an area that I love in Mexico, much more of a vacation than a retreat. Um, Mystical Yoga Farm in Guatemala is really cool. It's uh, pretty far away. So you do like plane to car to boat. And I believe it's been built up a little bit since I've been there. But when I was there, it was a tiny hut, lots of tiny huts. I couldn't even stand up in mine. Uh, but really beautiful sort of permaculture farm there. Tea ceremonies, beautiful yoga shala, cacao ceremonies. Uh, and that whole Lake Atitlan is really, uh, really a magical place. Really, really beautiful. There were a lot of earthquakes when I was there which was a little disconcerting, but apparently that's normal for Guatemala or Guatemala. Um, I'll turn this around because I'm not in, <laughs> this is not a sponsored episode. Um, but Mystical Yoga Farm is really a beautiful spot. And then if you really want plant medicine, um, uncoated ayahuasca and uh, San Pedro, then I would highly recommend my friends in Peru. And I have been with them and I have sent people to see them. And the my, my friend, his name is Niels, and his retreat is Anamkara. And um, he's running that with his partner now. And uh, I always tell people that I would trust Niels with my life. So if you're looking for somebody to, you know, experience ayahuasca or San Pedro with and to feel very safe and very held, um, he and they are incredible. The integrity in what they do is really phenomenal. And um, and I don't know what else I was going to say, just that it's, it's an excellent container. Um, if you do decide that you want to sit with them or visit them, um, there's a discount for doing so. Just mention my name and you should get 10% off. Uh, if you go to see Wendy Green, uh, the same, mention my name and she'll give you something special. I don't, you know, discount, free massage, something like that. Just let her know. Um, feel free to mention my name at any of these places. Peace Retreat and Taya. Uh, I'll, I'll keep going back to those. Uh, but the the Wendy and, and Niels in Peru um, will give you, will give you special treatment. And I was just going to mention two other spots which is funny. So in terms of ayahuasca, um, there are two very, like very luxurious or sort of hi-fi spots in the world. There are, are many at this point, which is amazing. But two that are consistently on my radar are Rhythmia in Costa Rica and so oh, and Soltara. Actually, they're both in Costa Rica. Rhythmia, I just saw today, I think it was Vice who put out a note that Rhythmia, apparently there's a bunch of scandal now around, um, I don't know if it was sexual harassment or some other kind of financial manipulation or something happening there. Um, and then Soltara is, is what it is too. So it's a little bit more of like a celebrity scene. Um, you know, I think if those places appeal to you, great, you can go. Um, 
you know, I haven't been, it's not my preference, but I will say, you know, as a, as a small tangent that sexual harassment in the psychedelic community is unfortunately not uncommon. Um, there's quite a lot of that, that, you know, in my limited engagement with that community, I have, um, been made aware of both in like personal circles and then also in professional circles. So like places like Rhythmia or MAPS, which is the multidisciplinary, I think it's Association for Psychedelic Studies um, or the Horizons Conference, like big, big, big organizations. Um, and unfortunately it, yeah, like I said, it's just not uncommon. So I think, you know, be smart and and sit with people that you really trust and that you've been referred to and, you know, I take it very seriously because I take my um, mental health very seriously. I take the rest of my health very seriously, but um, I did a ton of research before deciding to hand over my sanity to shaman and gringos who are going to be the ones to take care of me when I was, you know, not here. Um, and I think, that everybody should probably be that cautious. Now, of course, you can never like research your way out of um, sexual harassment or financial harassment, but we can mitigate some risk by taking recommendations, that sort of thing. So um, all that to say, it's it's a bummer for Rhythmia. I'm also not surprised. I also don't, you know, I don't know how I feel about it exactly in their case. Like it's not excusable. Um, I just think it's so common that it's, um, unfortunately, unfortunately, just, just around their weird power, power dynamics and people are, you know, altered and things get confused and they get messy. So anyway, I am going to uh, make a little note here. And as always recap, how do I see what time it is here? 1844. Okay. I'm going to recap that. So um, plant medicine retreats that I recommend include Wendy Green Yoga in Ecuador, who completely changed my life. Uh, my friends in Peru at Anamkara, both of which you can get a discount or something special from if you mentioned that I sent you. I also enjoy retreats in Costa Rica at Peace Retreat at Tea. Uh, I love the Puerto Escondido part of Mexico as well as Oaxaca. Uh, and I can recommend Mystical Yoga Farm in Guatemala. Enjoy, be well, be safe, and uh, set and setting. Remember that. Okay, so next question. This one is, um, it's funny how these questions are so unrelated and yet you all care about all of it and I love it. And it's very fun for me to answer these kind of disparate questions. Um, yeah, it's just kind of charming. So the next question is what is my hair routine? Which is good because like the hair is out today. I washed it, that's what happens. Um, okay, so it's gonna do what it's gonna do. <laughs> um, so my hair routine, so I'll be a little quicker about this one. Um, as you can see, I have curly hair. It's kind of just a mess today, but I have naturally curly hair and it's been the, a bane 
of my existence since I was a little girl and had no idea how to do it and would cry. And curly hair is wacky. If you have curly hair, you know, it's like, it runs your life in a certain way. It's like the weathers, you're more aware of the weather and humidity and like if it gets wet and how to wash it and how to let it dry. And like, I just dreamed of being one of those girls who could like get out of the shower, you know, towel dry my hair and like go do anything and have my hair look normal-ish, not possible. If you do that and you have curly hair, chances are, you know, two hours later, you look in the mirror, it's going to be madness. And then, you know, this was always, this has always made me crazy. You know, I would leave for school or I would leave for work. And then halfway through the day, I would look in the mirror and be like, what happened? Like, my hair is completely different. Anyway, if you know, you know. So I'm, I'm finally like in a good hair phase. Um, and it took me a long time and I'm still learning about it. I'm sure I'll be learning about it until I don't have any more. However, my current recommendations for hair, um, like mine, it are not to overwash it. So this is different for everybody, but in general, we tend to overwash our hair. We tend to overwash a lot of things. I'm pro bacteria also pro being clean, but I'm pro bacteria. Um, I wash my hair once a week at most, once a week at most. Um, when I do wash it, I do not use anything that is like soapy, sudsy, stripping. Like I don't use that stuff on my face. I don't use it on my body. I don't use it on my hair. I use a cream cleanser by Sasha Juan and it does not suds. It doesn't like, you know, your hair isn't like squeaky clean. It is literally just like my, the person who does my hair, uh, Jamie, she's like, think of your hair as if it's a, a leather handbag. You want to like clean the dirt off the surface, right? You don't need to soap it. You're just dusting it basically. And then oiling it, you know, letting that oil kind of sink into the leather. It's also your scalp that needs to be, you know, tended to. So I use a non-stripping shampoo. That's a cream cleanser. Um, I just started to use something for my scalp that's more like um, a scrub for my scalp uh, every few months uh, just to get like an extra kind of exfoliation and circulation there. Um, that I use, I use a mask as a conditioner. So it's like heavy, heavy. Um, the mask is by iLace, I-L-E-S. I'll put all this in the show notes use a mask as a conditioner and a brush in the shower. It's the only time I ever brush my hair. It is impossible to brush after that point, um, unless I've had a blowout, but uh, brush my hair in the shower, which is a great way to like get your scalp going as well. And then afterward, I use one cream. So this, I always sit on this side and it's like, where's the white space? It, this, this screen is opposite, so it's confusing. Anyway. Um, I use one product that's a cream. So right now I'm using something by Living Proof. It's just like a curl cream, just something to put in to give it a little condition. And then I let it air dry. And that's all. And that then it will look like this. Um, if I want to style it so that it's not so crazy, I'll use a I'll use heat tools. So like a flat iron to adjust my bangs. 
or a curling iron actually to fix my curls. Um, if you see it straight, it's because I had a blowout. That's a whole different story. And I don't blow out my hair because it takes a professional an hour and it would take me three hours. Um, if I've had a blowout, I will not wash my hair for probably two weeks and it will be fine as you've probably seen on the internet. And sometimes if I blow out, I'll use a dry shampoo um, because that will help keep the roots from getting greasy. If my hair looks like this, it never gets greasy. It just, I get dreadlocks. Um, so that's it, pretty simple. Um, but I think for me, what I've found to be the most incredible um, changes have been not to overwash and not over cleanse. So not like frequency and type of cleansing, which is also really great for skin. And um, to be heavy with the conditioners and light with the products. Uh, that is that. So let me do a little recap for the highlights reel here. Thank you for bearing with me as I do that. 25, 41, 25, 41. So best practices that I have found that work for my crazy hair and other curly haired folks are not to overwash. So frequency and also type of cleanser. Um, consider a deep conditioner or a mask. Um, go light with the products afterward and go light with the heat tools when you're drying. Save the heat for styling and consider a dry shampoo if you want to make a blowout or any other look last a little longer. Also, something new in my life that's interesting and I have only tried when a professional is applying it, but I think I'm going to buy it, is an anti-humidity spray. That was kind of wild. I had it used on my last shoot and my hair didn't change. So remember I told you it changes in like four times a day. It didn't change for days. I was like, what is this magic? It's like a force field. Okay. So next question is more squarely in the health and herbal space here. So can you recommend anything to help with rosacea? I've read it could be gut related, liver related, inflammation, or even aggravated by anger. I appreciate your help. I'm happy to help. So to run through a couple of those things, um, gut health, yes, definitely important to consider gut health when you're talking about skin. So I have a gut health class. I have a skin care class, hair, skin, and nails class. And the two together are very powerful. If you have skin issues that you don't understand, then I would recommend starting with gut health or hormone balance. Then looking at the skin because the skin is talking to us, right? The skin is, a, is, a, is expressing symptoms. So it's saying something is wrong inside. Well, okay. It's usually saying something is wrong inside unless it's the obvious, like you got burned, you got cut, you brushed up against something, you know, whatever. Otherwise the skin is expressing inflammation, um, an allergic response, which is an immune situation, um, a reaction to stress, 
a reaction to food allergy, which is also considered a stress in the body, um, nervousness, anxiety, that kind of thing. So all that's internal, right? <clears throat> so gut health, yes. Um, and we can always talk more about that, but I would definitely consider that. Inflammation, also yes. Because inflammation is part of redness, swelling. Neuroinflammation is part of depression, anxiety, trouble focusing, brain fog. Um, inflammation is part of pain. Inflammation is our body trying to remedy some imbalance. And most of us are inflamed to some degree every day. And our body is recovering from that every day, just like it's detoxing every day all the time, right? But if we're chronically inflamed, then things go wrong to be brief about it. So it's always a good idea to help support the levels of inflammation in your body. If you know that inflammation is not an issue for you, great, then just maintain, you know? So like, I am not concerned about my level of inflammation, except I exercise every single day. And I know that that causes stress and inflammation and that's fine, it's healthy, but I support my body in recovering from that by varying the exercise, varying the intensity, making sure that I have time to recover and taking lots of turmeric and fish oil and things that help my, um, my immune response from an inflammation standpoint. Um, so again, even if you think you're great there, still wanna support it. And diet, I mean, diet's huge, so is sleep. So there's that. And then um, liver, yes, liver could be an issue. So our liver is helping our body detox, detoxify. And in order for the liver to function well, um, the liver needs to be healthy. We need to not be putting too many things into our body for our liver to address. And our digestive system and our elimination need to be great because otherwise the liver is doing all its work, pushing things into the eliminatory process. We're not eliminating, we're reabsorbing it and liver has to do again. So make sure that your gut is in a great place. Make sure you're eating lots of fiber and drinking lots of water and having at least one very good bowel movement every single day. Um, if someone suggested that it could be anger, the first thing that came to mind for me was that that is stress. Um, and we just talked about stress, right? So it absolutely could be that. Rosacea is very commonly um, related to people's emotional states as well. And again, your body gets um, stressed out, stress changes our hormone levels. Um, it aggravates lots of symptoms, systems, which then result in symptoms. Um, so what I would recommend is to address all of those things. And I know that's a lot, but that's how we work through these things, right? Um, address all of those. Also consider tracking your flare-ups. And if you track them, then you may understand your triggers better. And then um, we can look at some herbs. 
that's the order, right? Herbs are really going to be last. So here's my herbs for you. So I wrote down, I wrote down three. And these are specific for rosacea. There are obviously lots of other herbs and supplements that can support those other things that I mentioned already. So herbs. Isatis is one. So I'm just going to read some of this to you. Isatis cools the blood and is useful for eruptions caused by blood heat, such as acne rosacea, boils, shingles, impetigo, red painful rashes, orally or topically. So blood heat is a traditional Chinese medicine term for some of these things and um, for infections and much more, but I'm not a, I don't practice traditional Chinese medicine in detail. Um, so I'm not going to attempt to go into that any farther. Uh, the next herb is organ grape root. So organ grape root uh, can be effectively combined with go-to cola, sorry, go-to cola or sarsaparilla for red inflamed skin conditions. This can be orally or topically. It can be used for other skin conditions as well, both orally, both topically and internally. Uh, da, 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 da. It can be used for, for boils, eczema, dandruff, acne, rosacea. That's Oregon grapefruit. Go-to cola. Anytime we have skin that is red, hot, and inflamed, go-to cola is a great herb for that. And neem. So neem oil or infusion, which means tea, um, can also be used topically for bacterial infections and skin problems such as acne, rosacea, eczema, wounds, topical inf infections, and boils. Okay. So I am going to recap rosacea here and we'll move on to the next question. We're getting through so much today. I love it. <laughs> Gathering my thoughts. Um, can you recommend anything to help with rosacea? So yes, absolutely. Um, consider gut health, consider inflammation, chronic or acute. Uh, definitely consider nutrition. Try tracking your flare-ups in order to identify causes. Consider liver uh, detoxification, elimination, also emotional states like stress or anxiety. And from an herbal standpoint, some of the herbs that I love for rosacea are isatis, uh, go-to cola, organ grapefruit, sarsaparilla, and neem. Hope that helps. All right. Okay, so this is a fun one. We have three more, which I feel like we'll get through. Um, question. My knees are making tearing, cracking sounds when I straighten them. It doesn't hurt. I was wondering if there are some herbs or food that can help repair the tissues and ligaments. So... When I first read this and the notes that I made, I included herbs to help with that symptom, that cracking, popping joints, rather than herbs or anything to repair the tissues and ligaments. But we'll go through the first set first, and then I can talk about the tissues and ligaments. So 
for tearing, cracking sounds um, in your joints or popping sounds, I have the creakiest ankles. Like they will snap every single time I walk down the stairs. I'm very vata, if you know what that means. And um, that's considered dryness. Um, it's uh, dryness from a traditional Chinese medicine uh, standpoint. And um, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but there are a couple of herbs that are supposed to help with it. I've actually never tried um, the main one. I don't know why I should. I guess because it doesn't bother me. I'm so used to it. People laugh and I'm like, what? what? I didn't hear anything. <laughs> um, literally just like, it's like so loud. Um, okay. So consider moistening herbs, marshmallow, bladder rack, which is a seaweed. Other seaweeds are a great idea. Uh, hydration, which we talked about last office hours, including electrolytes if you need, and mucilant foods like flax and chia and purslane and anything that's like slippery and slimy. What's that one? Oh, okra. That's a good one. For creaking joints specifically, uh, the, the herb that is like the one that everybody recommends is Solomon's seal. So I'll read this to you. Uh, Solomon's seal relieves wind symptoms, which are symptoms that kind of move throughout the body is one way to, to think of that. Um, relieves wind sim symptoms caused by insufficient fluids, such as spasms, um, lack of synovial fluid in the joints. So they call that creaky hinge syndrome, as well as dizziness, tinnitus, uh, and heat stroke. Another herb that can be useful is Job's tears. That's also kind of considered a food. And um, blue cohosh. So blue cohosh is used for inflammatory arthritis pain, especially in the small joints, uh, creaky hinge syndrome, and rheumatoid arthritis. Okay, hope that helps. Oh, right. For repairing the tissues and the ligaments, your actual question. Um, for that, I would recommend uh, collagen support from Metagenics called Collagenics. Um, I will put the link in the notes. Just make a reminder here, Collagenics. Um, I would make sure your gut health is in a great place so you can absorb everything that you're taking and that you need. Um, I would look at teas of horsetail and nettle and alfalfa, which are high mineral teas. Write that down too. And and probably also there's a supplement by Herbalist and Alchemist, the tincture. I'll look it up for you. It's called Bone Builder. Maybe something like that. This is one of my favorite. Oh, Osteo Herb. That's right. This is one of my favorite teachers, David Winston. Um, so he has a product called Osteo Herb. Stinging nettle, alfalfa, dandelion leaf, horsetail, oat straw, and black pepper. So basically the tea that I just recommended you make. Um, this is in capsule form. And um, he has really good recommendations on his website. I don't know if anybody even like is aware of this little hidden gem, but he gives you this product, right? And then he also says additional recommendations. The following foods are rich in absorbable calcium dark green leafy vegetables, cabbage, broccoli, carrots, sesame seeds, canned Alaskan salmon, and sardines. 
magnesium, silica, potassium, boron, vitamin D, and essential fatty acids are necessary for calcium metabolism. Saturated fats, sodium, and phosphorus, which you get in carbonated drinks, are calcium antagonists. Additional useful herbs include mineral-rich herbs in the diet such as spirulina, parsley, seaweeds, vitamin D and K are essential for calcium absorption and maintaining strong, healthy bones. Free on David Winston's website. Love it. Love him. There you go. So I will put this in the show notes for you and everyone else. Uh, if you want to study herbs, I also recommend studying them with him. He has a great class. It's long course. It's long. It's two years. Okay. Two more questions. One, do you have any thoughts on long COVID? Would antiviral herbs help? I was listening to the herbal highway and they were talking about astragalus and how one should be careful using it as it can push the virus deeper into the body. Was curious about that. I will try and find the exact point in the podcast where she talks about it if you're interested in it. So um, I would love to hear that podcast. I actually don't know this one herbal highway but I'll check it out. And I appreciate that point. Um, and I have heard that about astragalus, but not quite in that way. Um, there are some herbs that are used to sort of fortify our defenses, if you will. The way that I was taught it has always imprinted the image of a, of a wall. You know, you're like building a wall to protect yourself. Maybe that's a bad metaphor. Let's use it as like a, like a drawbridge or something. You know, you're like enclosing yourself. And you don't want to do that if like the virus is already or the sickness is already in here, right? In that case, you want to let it out. And now I'm, I'm almost remembering the term in TCM, um, which is related to the action of the plants, like releasing the exterior, I think is how it's how it's sort of translated. So if you have the thing already, you want to release the exterior so that you can get rid of it, right? You don't want to block it in. And there are specific herbs that help to release the exterior. Um, astragalus is not one of those. And frankly, so with this, here's a, here's a big caveat. Um, long COVID, we do not know very much about long COVID. It is complicated. It's mysterious. It's nasty. It is vague. It's windy. Um, there's a lot we don't know about it. We do know that it tends to cause systemic inflammation, chronic systemic inflammation. So that's one area that you can work on, right? In terms of other things that it causes, there, you know, the sky's the limit right now. Um, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's headed to a little bit of the sort of Lyme territory too, where you just don't even know based on so much anecdotal evidence, what's really Lyme and what's some other imbalances being um, associated with Lyme. And it gets very confused. And I think there's a, there's a long-term <laughs> um, understanding about long COVID that, you know, we're going to go through the process of that's it through the process of understanding. So anyway, chronic systemic system, uh, systemic inflammation. And then 
we need to treat it based on however it's manifesting for you. So it's not, it's no longer, long COVID is no longer a matter of like, I have an acute viral infection and I need to expunge the virus. It is, I got run over by this and I need to rebuild my system, you know? So astragalus kind of containing the virus in your system is, again, in my opinion, I haven't listened to this podcast and I don't know their credentials, but, um, less a concern right now you don't have to mess with astragalus at all if you're not interested in that or you, f- you feel like that's not a good idea um i would say that systemic anti-inflammatories are a good idea so look at something like turmeric look at things like fish oil um you know if where was my other thought here you know, depending on your symptoms, then we need to treat that basically. So if it's, a, if it's psychological symptoms, some people have extreme fatigue. Um, some people have insomnia, some people have, you know, sort of restlessness. Like it's, it's really going to depend. So how do you feel? What systems seem to be compromised? Support those. Uh, it's no longer like an acute viral infection. Oh, right. I was going to look up and see quickly if I have a, if I have a note on herbs that release the exterior, but again, I just don't, this isn't really the place for that. Um, things that make you sweat generally. Yeah. Um, okay. We won't go too much into that today, but, and then from an, from an immune system standpoint, um, functional mushrooms are basically everybody's friend. You know, we use them in cancer treatments or they're used in um, China, primarily in cancer treatments. And um, they're considered immune amphoterics, which means that they're helping our immune system to function well, um, not overly activated. And I I think basically everybody needs functional mushrooms. Um, So anyway. Uh, yeah, in my notes, I had said long COVID is still very mysterious. Uh, we need to treat it person to person as it's not the same as treating COVID. Rather, we're treating the aftershocks or the imbalance created by COVID. So um, I'm sorry that you're dealing with that if you are and you're not asking for a friend. And I hope that it um, resolves. It is, it is possible to resolve, uh, but I know it's nasty. And um, I'm still extremely conservative regarding COVID because um, I don't know anybody who's better off as a result of having gotten it. It's a nasty virus. All right. So our last question today is I'm diagnosed with chronic gastritis. I'm trying to find a way to live with it. What herbs would you recommend? Oh, you know what? I forgot to do a um, recap here on the COVID one. So let me just do a quick recap there. So we'll do it at about 48 seconds. Here. Did I recap the bone one? I don't think I did. I want we missed that. So my thoughts on treating long COVID are that long COVID is still very mysterious and uh, complicated and big and very much person to person. So we really want to treat it person to person and consider that we are no longer dealing with an acute infection, but rather these sort of aftershocks of that initial attack and wanting to support specific systems that are compromised as a result of it. For example, 
we commonly see systemic inflammation in long COVID. And so that could be a great place to start. Otherwise, you'll want to work with a healthcare practitioner to get personalized advice. Okay, um, let's see here. So chronic gastritis. So um, <clears throat> chronic, so gastritis is a condition in which the stomach lining is inflamed. So saying chronic gastritis is like saying chronic stomach inflammation. And we talked about inflammation earlier, right? Inflammation can be acute or it can be chronic. Something causes inflammation. So the best way to treat inflammation is to try to identify the causes, usually more than one, sometimes one, um, and to reduce or ideally eliminate those. That is the most effective way and the ideal way to treat that. So the first thing that I would say is if you have chronic gastritis, I would start tracking, probably have already done this, but I don't know you, so I have to assume, you know, we're starting from the beginning, um, tracking flare-ups. When a flare-up happens, look back 12 hours. We don't really need to look back longer than that. Probably you'll get to a point where you can just look back a few hours because our stomachs respond pretty quickly to things. What did we eat? What did we drink? What is our emotional state? That's usually all we have to look at. This is usually what did we eat or drink. Sometimes it's what's our emotional state, stress, anxiety, lack of sleep, which is less common, but can happen. Um, and we'll start to identify things that make us feel good and things that don't make us feel good. When we find out what is, what is you know, aggravating, again, do away with that as, as, as it completely as possible. Um, in terms of treating gastric inflammation, then what we put in from a food standpoint and a beverage standpoint is important. And then herbs can help, but as always, it's in that order. So first it's eliminating the aggravation. I talk about this a lot in my four week course, which if you're this person or you relate with this person and you haven't looked at that four week course, this could be great for you because this is exactly what we do. We're like, this is what we are going to remove. This is what we're going to replace it with. And we're going to do it over the course of four weeks. And at the end of those four weeks, you can, you know, go move into your new lifestyle. Right. Um, in terms of, so here's, yeah. Okay. And then in terms of treating gastric inflammation specifically, so I'm just thinking back through my thoughts. Sorry. Thinking through my thoughts. How's, how's that for duplicative recursiveness? <laughs> um, what we put in is, is what is um, secondarily important. So think about probiotics, prebiotics, which is fiber and starch, water, obviously those always go together. Um, excellent food, the best food that you have the you know means to access, mostly plant-based, totally unprocessed if possible, um, minimal sugar, maybe sugar-free, um, maybe flour-free, gluten-free for sure, maybe dairy-free for sure, um, you know, good quality meats if you are having any kind of meat, good quality meats like fish, you know, um, sourced well, 
Uh, if you have trouble digesting things, then lean into digestive herbal bitters before meals. Um, work more with foods that are easier to digest, but that are definitely plant-based. So smoothies, vegetable-based soups, uh, squashes, um, you know, things like that. I definitely don't recommend that people do a lot of um, grains or legumes. Those don't tend to make anybody feel better. Uh, and then lastly, some of the um, supplements that can support are uh, aloe vera. So like aloe juice, but aloe juice is a little hard to find. God, you have to do sugar-free, preservative-free, like I almost don't even recommend it, I guess, because it's so hard to find stuff that doesn't have like weirdness in it. But if you have a resource or you know how to make your own, it's really great stuff. Um, I kind of wonder if there's like an aloe powder. Oh, duh. The next product that I'm going to recommend has aloe in it. So this is even better. Um, so Metagenics has a product called Glutagenics, which I'll put in the show notes, um, which is great. It's aloe, BGL licorice, and glutamine. Glutamine helps to, to repair our gut and to close those tight gap junctions. So when we eat gluten, even if you're not allergic, it's going to create some permeability and you're my gut. This is the, you're your gut over here. <laughs> this is the immune system. As soon as this is opened up, immune system is activated and we get allergic reactions, you know, immune response, inflammation, nervous system activation, all this other stuff. So closing these up happens from not eating gluten and from using things that, that close up tight gap, gap junctions like glutamine, plantain leaf, um, and others. And then you want to heal that mucosa. So a barrier, just like we have a barrier on our skin. You do that with um, those herbs I mentioned, um, fiber, water, marshmallow root, licorice root, slippery, slimy things like chia and flax and purslane and okra and, you know, aloe. Um, and then you rebuild the probiotics, all the good bacteria, which means eating probiotic food, taking probiotics, using herbal bitters, not taking over-the-counter medications or antibiotics or any other kind of medications if possible because those kill that bacteria. And then you have how many layers between you and your immune system and, um, you know, reducing of inflammation and any kind of aggravation, like a lot, like four, right? Instead of none. So that's how we heal a gut. Turmeric, if I didn't mention it, turmeric, 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 turmeric. So good. Calendula is great. Um, plantain leaf, I said aloe, glutamine, licorice, marshmallow, probiotics, um, digestive herbal bitters, fiber. And you can see like why that order is so important too, right? It's like we can't be using you know, turmeric and these things out here if our gut is just this porous thing still. We have to close it up first. And then we have to heal that layer and that layer and that layer and that layer. You can do it all at once, but we can't do just the turmeric. You know, we have to do the food first. So anyway, I hope that helped. It's a great question. And you are definitely not alone. Um, I think the statistic on gastrointestinal issues in the United States, assuming you're in the U.S., you may not be, but in the U.S., it's like 75% of people are struggling with um, gastro-related issues. It's a lot. 
Well, that was fun. Do you have any other questions? Ah, I'm not going to wait for questions because <laughs> we're out of time. So, oh, right. Let me recap that and then we'll officially be out of time. And then I will drop all these notes into the show notes in Substack. And I hope they will serve you all so well. Again, I really appreciate you being here. Um, get some friends to sign up. Let's continue this. Um, let's, you know, make it a, make it a long, long-term thing that just grows and grows. It'll just be more fun if we, as we do. So quickly recapping, um, I'm diagnosed with chronic gastritis, trying to find a way to live with it. What herbs do you recommend? So first of all, gut health, gut health, gut health, which in this case, I would recommend first tracking symptoms to try to identify triggers at the same time as removing anything from the food practice, nutrition, diet that seem to be aggravating or that is commonly aggravating for other people, replacing that with whole food, mostly plant-based, largely unprocessed, totally unprocessed if possible, sugar-free if possible, only good quality meats if you're eating meats, minimal to no grains, legumes, definitely no flour if possible, and just, you know, putting into our system all the best things that we can because that is primary and that's how we build a foundation. On top of that, we can do probiotics, prebiotics, gut healers like calendula, plantain, aloe, glutamine, marshmallow, licorice, uh, turmeric if I didn't say that, turmeric if I <laughs> need to say it again, and stress reduction, resting to digesting, just letting our... Um, sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems work in the way that they want to work and our body tend toward healing and balance. That was a mouthful. All right. So that is it for today. I will see everyone on July 14th. If you have questions, comments, concerns, insights, or otherwise, please leave them in Substack. And that's all. Be well.